0: Welcome to the Season 4 finale of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by Change Up. I'm Owen Shadrick. I'm joined, as always, by Johnny Maffey. And, Johnny, how many days?
1: We got one month, Owen. Technically one month in a day, but one month till opening day, May 26th. Be there. First weekend. Official, in my mind, it's the official start to Johnny Maffey summer the official start to unofficial start to summer of course Memorial Day weekend but it's going to be a blast we have Brody on this episode who you'll introduce in a sec but you know the Bravehearts are introducing new stuff we're going to do some new cool stuff get people involved try to grow the league it's going to be a lot of fun and one one month
0: baby One month till our 2022 summer is underway. We had Brody, the public address announcer for the Worcester Bravehearts on this episode on this season finale of Back to the Futures. We've got some great things in store for the summer. We added a couple of new interns who are gonna do awesome things for us this summer. We've got so many great things planned, but we're gonna put this podcast on hold and in anticipation for opening day. Check out our socials, check out past podcast episodes. We've got a lot of great things and all the teams have great things going on. You do not want to miss this 2022 summer in the futures league. No,
1: not at all. And I just, as, as finales go, I want to thank Josh Cummins and Joe Pellucci for giving us this opportunity as Rich. usual. Um, we'll be back for the summer. Um, whether it's more or less, or I, hopefully it's just the same and a lot of baseball because that's what I need injected into my veins. Um, like you said, we got some Ben Upson's coming back. We got a couple other new guys back, a couple Emerson kids, actually. That's it was kind of a coincidence, actually, but um and you know, just gotta thank the sponsors. Change up, they do awesome stuff. They, you know, it's it's a tool that helps can help any coach, you know, any player in the game. Uh Zorian Bats and 78 Sports, who I went to that. Joe's, you've been there too. Joe's new Patriot Athletic Club in Rockland. It's, I wish I had it growing up as a kid because 78 sports outfitted it. That might not be the right word. I don't know if, but no,
0: that's yeah, whatever, yeah.
1: top, top of the, top of the line L screens, great cages. It just, it looks great. It looks like where you want to be when it's snowing out or when it's hot out, you know, whatever it's, it's what you need in a cage is everything you need to be a great player. And then Zorian has their bats there too. Um, and, and they're great guys. And of course, Zephyr, you know, I have a million of these Zephyr hats. So thanks to all our sponsors. Thanks to Josh and Joe. Thanks to you, Owen. And, um, yeah, I kind of dragged that long, but I needed to say that.
0: No, thanks to you too. And again, yeah, shout out to Joe and Josh for everything that they've done for us. We want to get you to this interview. It's a good one. Thank you guys again for tuning in all season long. Season five is coming in hot right around opening day. So be sure to tune in for that. We can't wait one month till opening day. We're sending it to Brody.
1: I don't know. The finale's out now. They can binge it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's roll.
0: We are honored to be joined on our season finale of season four of Back to the Future. It's been a long, long time coming. He's an OG listener of the podcast. We're honored to have him on. It is Brody, the Worcester Bravehearts public address announcer. Brody, you know, we said it all week. It's about time.
2: You know, I wasn't gonna say it because you know <laughs> I've I've heard a couple other people come on the show and say it's about time, it's about time. You know, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm like I'm busting your stones or anything no. like that. But you know, we we talked about this, you know, oh and I talked about but this with you, Johnny have talked about it with you. Uh it's it's great to be here. I'm I'm thoroughly excited about being here and I'm glad to be on.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad. I'm I'm selfish. Um glad that uh you and Matt didn't steal them Owen you know season one or whatever <laughs> so we get to have a nice little conversation here um how does it feel to be in the basement of season four though
2: well you know when you <laughs> mentioned it was the season finale it was like okay it's either a really really good thing it's either an honor or it's like all right we're gonna bury this guy and just just let him get <laughs> out of here you know I'll, I'll, I'll let you decide what's
0: what in that particular case you take a look at our season finale stats and you might you might be you might be okay with the position you're in I'll just say that All right. Fair enough. (laughs) I mean, you guys, you guys
2: see all the numbers on that. So, you know, I don't, so, you know, you guys can be the judge of that.
1: Is that the, uh, is that the COVID background from back in the day a couple of years ago? Did you set that up then?
2: No, 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 no. I I didn't do a lot of zoom meetings during, during COVID really, you know, that was, that was more for like, you know, my, my kids stuff, you know, so why would I set this up for my kids? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not that big of a jerk.
1: (laughs) You got the light. I can never get the lighting down. Owen's all, Owen, can you see the proof from your seat? Owen's got a big window in Alston and I'm, I can never get my lighting. down. you got that down. You got the background down. All right, let's get this going. First question. Why baseball? Why baseball? Wow,
2: that that you told me that the first question was going to be a, a, a doozy, and you know it's 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 a darn fine one. You, you know, in terms of baseball, you know, obviously I'm I'm a huge sports fan, have been for as long as I can remember. Um, what I always say about baseball is baseball is my first sporting love. You know, I fell in baseball, fell in love with baseball at a very very young age, and you know, from collecting baseball cards. I mean, you know, back when I was a kid. You know, and I know I'm dating myself here. You know, don't look at me like that. But you know, baseball cards cost fifty cents a pack. I get a dollar. I'd run down at the corner store, and get two packs of baseball cards, and I'd be in heaven. And you know, I remember growing up, you know, watching you know Vin Scully doing the NBC National Game of the Week. You know, a lot of memories go back with regards to baseball. You know, and you know, ties in with my dad, and probably some of my greatest baseball memories involve my dad. And um, in terms of like working in baseball kind of sort of happened, I wouldn't say on accident, but you know, with kind of just a, a quick email, I was looking for something kind of a little bit different, a little bit of a career change at one point in time and uh, kind of discovered this this team in Worcester, not called the Bravehearts, this, is, this preceded the hearts, of course, which I'm sure you'll get to um, but um, you know, kind of reached out and uh, next thing you know, uh, I'm on the field with the mic.
0: Yeah, and we will obviously dig through it all when we get there, but we got to ask right off the bat here, you have been with the Bravehearts since their inauguration in 2014, you bleed the colors, you're wearing the jerseys, you know, you're you're doing it all. What has it meant to you to be with that organization since its start in 2014? You know,
2: it's, it's, it's a tremendous passion of mine to be a part of this organization. It's, you know, a lot of people look at, you know, hey, I'm doing this internship for the summer with this baseball team, whatever you know, bleeding, bleeding Bravehearts blue and green is probably nailing it right on the head because I look at it, it's, it's a privilege. It's a genuine privilege because not everyone gets to have more than one season. You know, it's always been my philosophy that, you know, I don't assume next season is always going to be next season for me because for all I know, they can always find somebody better, you know, and I hope that they don't, but, you know, it's, it's that passion and, and appreciation um, you know, being with the Bravehearts is is a huge honor. It's been an honor for me to be a part of the organization since 2014. Um, you know, and honestly, you know, they've even made some, to, to, to not sound corny or anything like that, they've literally made one of my dreams come true. And in that, you know, when I realized that the whole athletics thing wasn't going to work out for me, I always thought it was going to be cool to have like a championship ring with my name on it. And obviously at that point in time, I was like, well, that's gone. That's out the window. You know, fast forward to, to 2014 and like the next thing, you know, I've got a championship ring with my name on it. And now if I'm fortunate enough to have, to have three of them and I appreciate every last one of them. They're great. They're amazing, but it's something I never would have thought I would ever be able to, to have the privilege of, and, you know, working with the people, the organization, you know, the credence, Dave. And everyone else on down, I've had just the most amazing experience. And you know, the, the Creeden family and Dave have earned my, my loyalty for as long as I can you know possibly think that they, they can that they can have it.
1: Yeah, there's no better way to put it than what you just did there. And you also have as many rings as Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning combined. Ouch. Well, hold on there, hold on there. That's whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> Hold on, what? I knew
2: you were gonna go there,
1: but but here's You brought the story. rings up. You set me up. I thought he was gonna wait. I thought he was gonna wait.
2: <laughs> I thought you were gonna wait too, Johnny. I totally thought you were gonna leave least wait until later on. But you know what? I'll take that. I'll take You put that. it on a T. <laughs> I suppose, but you know, you guys you guys know me well enough to know that I'm not exactly a fan of Peyton Manning. As far as I'm concerned, here's my thing. You know, you say that technically on paper they do have three rings combined, and yes, they do. However, Peyton Manning. He beat the Bears for one Super Bowl. So that that that's like half a ring, okay. And then the the second ring that he got, he was basically gravy training that ring off of a great defense, and he could barely throw the the balls of wounded duck five yards down the field. So that's like a quarter ring. So in the grand scheme of things, you have more. Than... Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't gonna go there and say that, but you know, I I just, Hi, there I, just it is. I just don't like Kate Manning.
1: <laughs> no, I don't either. That's why I threw the shade there, and I know. Obviously, for those who don't know, Brody's a Packers fan. He had a Hold on there, Johnny. I'm an owner, not a fan. There's a difference. (laughs) Exactly. So you talk about, you know, they've just been waiting to find someone better. No, just kidding. But you talk about uh, (laughs) coming back and everything. How, I don't know, we talk about it with the players. How, how the 2022 decision for you come about? 22 to 22 decision to, to, to come back. Well, yeah, well, it's
2: an easy one. If, if given the opportunity, I'm there, you know, all there is to it, you know, I mean, if, if I'm given the opportunity to come back, I always, will. I'll never say no. Um, I can't foresee a situation where I would say no. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's not even a decision. It's not even a thought, to be honest with you, you know, as long as Dave gives me a call and returns my calls and texts, you know, as long as, as long as Donnie's not saying, get the hell out of here, you know, it's all, it's all good. You know, it's, 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 it's an easy
1: call to make. All right. We're going to keep it here in 2020 you, as you guys are calling it this year, the Bravehearts are launching some extensive promotions this summer, pick the rules night, create a Jersey. Can you explain to us a little bit of what you guys are doing and what your favorite ones are?
2: Well, I have a couple that I'm part, pretty partial to myself um you know and but i mean we recently kind of found out who the wind the, pick, the jersey winner was we, we had a fan contest to uh create the jersey that's going to be happening on uh i believe july the 31st uh against the uh against norwich and it was really really cool the way that it kind of went down uh because the the winner basically said that i want to have you know the whoever benefits from the jersey auction go to help Bryce. And if you don't know who Bryce is, Bryce is Julie Creedon's son, who's been facing some some health challenges. And basically she said, uh, and I think this is probably the, probably big reason why she won, was because she basically said, I want to, she said, and I quote, I want the donation to go to the place that helps Bryce. And that was courtesy of Brooke, who's our winner of the Create the Jersey Night. That's going to be on July the 31st. Those jerseys will be auctioned off they're actually cool tie-dye look. It's a brand new Futures League logo right up front here. They're actually really really cool. Awesome. Um not that one, not yeah. that one. But that that's that's still cool though, no worries, man. Um but uh some of the other cool things that that we've got going on is um you, you know, we've got Tornadoes night. You'll see above my shoulder here, that's actually one of my Tornadoes jerseys from 2012. Uh it'll get some some live action coming back again. That's coming up. Uh, a little bit later on you choose the rules is one that's been getting a lot of buzz it's going to be one of our baseball and education days so basically we're going to have kids submitting rules they've already been submitting rules as is and um yeah i haven't seen what the rules are yet i can't wait to see what they are but uh you know basically we're having a whole lot of kids in the worcester area choose up what some of the rules are going to be for this game and um you know, some tells me that the Nashville Silver Knights <laughs> they might not love some of those rules. <laughs> they, they sometimes have some some nightmares when coming to uh, to fit and field, but but that that's for that's for another conversation. Uh, but you choose the music, you choose the promotion. That's actually going to be a cool one where, where basically you get to be my boss for a little bit, and um, and Tornado's night and the Worcester Centennial Celebration. Um, so much going on. I mean, you you've seen all oh, the fans of oh, the Bravehearts have seen so much at fit and field over all these years. Um, they're, they're definitely going to see some things they haven't seen at all ever, and maybe never
0: will ever get who knows. So with the, you pick the rules and the, the people being your boss thing, how do you, how are you going to prepare for that as a public address <laughs> announcer and an on field host? Like, how do you, what, what, how do you do that very carefully?
2: i mean you know i i I don't know what there is to how there is to prepare i mean you know it's just just a matter of kind of handling things as they go um you know the the big the big most important thing you know for for me and for everyone else in the ballpark is just remember it's all about having fun you know because one of the one of the things that one of the first things i learned in my radio days long time ago was uh the guy who was training me basically said to me he said look if you're having fun, he points at me, they're having fun points at the audience, and I still maintain that to this very, very day, because, you know, if, if I'm having fun, a whole lot of people are having fun, at least that that's the hope, you know, so just just kind of handle it kind of as it goes, you know, be flexible, be, be able to kind of shift on the fly and uh have the ability to just just kind of go with it and you know just just have fun with it you know because that's 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 always the name of the game you know it's baseball but it's but it's showbiz as well and we're going to be bringing a lot of that flair this, this summer And
0: hey, you talk about fun summers last year was another one for the brave hearts and you talked about it you know you've worked for such a high class organization but you've also worked for a very winning franchise they've made the playoffs yes. every year since 2014. So what's it been like to be been part of not only the like the high-class organization that the Bravehearts are, but also the winning year in and year out? You know, it spoils you
2: a little bit, you know, because, you know, you, you go out there and you expect to succeed. And this organization has, has set the table for success for so many years. And, and it's not just necessarily just about the on-field success. It's the things they do behind the scenes. They, they treat people with class. They treat people with dignity. You know, I mean, I've been treated with so much respect by, you know, by again, Dave and the Creeds. I'll give them, you know, all the credit I could possibly give them because without their support, I would not be, I would not be here with the organization. But it's, it's also the extension of that, that their attitude, their work ethic is what drives this organization because, you know, you'll see John Jr. picking up trash what other team owner is going to be out there picking up trash with you nobody so you know the winning kind of i feel is stems from those attitudes from that work ethic you know from learning how to you know teaching how to treat people and teaching staff how to treat people because you know we we do our best to be as hospitable as possible and i've seen some some great things happening uh that our staff has done for fans and some great stories i i couldn't probably tell you hardly any of them but you know they're they're out there, and there's some amazing stories that have happened. From, oh, you know this this kid was crying, so I gave him I gave him a foul ball and it brightened up his day. I mean those those types of things are amazing. All those little things they build up and they snowball. They reflect yeah. on the players. Absolutely. The players, feel, yeah. I mean Johnny, you you play, so you know how it goes. If you're if you're happy, if you're content, if you're valued. You're going to go out there and you're going to bust your tail and you're going to work a little bit harder to give back to the people who are helping you out and i think that's where that that success kind of comes from and you know i'll admit I, i've been a little spoiled you know i mean i have high expectations for the team i'm i'm sure i'm not the only one you know it's kind of tough for me to be in my position to be like i have high expectations for you but you know it, it it is what it is you know i mean it's it's more fun Baseball is a game and games are supposed to be fun, but it's a little more fun when you're winning, you know, when you're in the league championship series every year, except for last year, we're not going to talk about that. Um, But, you know, last year was an aberration and that, that kind of stung, I won't lie, but you know, it's, it's been so much fun. I mean, to be able to see our team have championship moments and to kind of be held up as one of the, one of the the cornerstone franchises of the league you know and i don't i hope i'm not overstating myself and hope i'm not overstating our value but i see th- i feel like that's been something that's been said about the organization many times in the past again i'll let you guys be the judge but it's been it's been an amazing experience all those things put together i could go on and on and on about how, how great of an experience it is i mean the winning the class the the devout the, the val- being treated and valued so highly amazing doesn't do it
1: justice. Hey, it's you too. You know, everybody sees it from everyone. Obviously, you know, leadership comes from the top down, but um, a lot of you guys, you know, whether it's in the press box and, you know, I get there and I have no idea what I'm doing and it's like, Oh, that's your seat. It's like, Oh wow. I have a seat. That's cool. (laughs) You know, but it's, and it's every team I love, you know, all eight teams, obviously. Um, But for the sake of you being our guest right now, I do want to talk. Shop for, I do want to talk shop for a second because yeah, new kids came in. Beat you at your place won the championship. Is that another rivalry? Is that is that is that gonna not quite turn into Worcester, Nashua, But well, Worcester, here Nashua's, they won. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong seeing the season, the season ending at our place Mm -hmm. with the team who eventually went all the way. I mean, first of all, good for them. You know, they, they played lights up all all season. Oh yeah. And nothing, nothing but credit to um, nothing but credit to Vermont because, you know, I, uh, I kind of had a little bit of a feeling like things might not end up the way we were hoping to, but they, they, they came into our house and they, they crushed it. You know, they went all the way. So nothing but uh, nothing but credit to them. In terms of a rivalry, could it have a little juice to it this year? Wouldn't shock me, wouldn't shock me at all. However, is it going to be Worcester nashua I don't think anything's going to be Worcester Nashua, just because there's so much to it. I mean, you know, there's there's the obvious things. There's there's the you know the fact that you know, team ownership, team shared team ownership, you know, there's always gonna be that rivalry, creed and Bull, all that kind of good stuff. But there's also that that championship kind of rivalry as well which goes back a couple of years, you know, they've, they've beaten us three times in the championship series. Not that I want to mention that, but you know, it is what it is. And uh, there've been a lot of hard fought battles. There's a lot of history between Worcester and Nashua, you know, between the championships, between things like the great tequila rally of 2019 um, you know, further tequila rallies as well. Things like that. There's, there's so much between Worcester and Nashua that as unless some big things happen between Worcester and vermont i don't see it quite escalating to, to the uh, to the to the passion of the worcester national rivalry
0: so 2019 the great tequila <laughs> rally we have to talk about it was i wasn't uh, unfortunately i was not there at the game but i was following it and i know that you i knew that you guys were down by a lot and i was like oh like let's book it it's over and then all of a sudden the comeback starts and i don't even want to keep talking about it because you witnessed it live so give the fans the public address announcer the the ballpark guy view of the 2019 great tequila rally
2: the great tequila rally of 2019 as I've come to call it um was something that was just so it, it was so special and it was so organic um so basically it was the eighth inning we were down by we were down by a lot i mean it was a football score you know to be honest with you I believe the point where the exact rally started was the eighth inning and it was 17 to 10 and we had crawled back. It was, it was worse. I mean, be honest with you, even in the press box, we were like, this thing's over, you know? I mean, as much as we, we love the team, we follow the team. We're passionate about the team. There are even times when even we're like, okay, there's no hope. So from what i understand i think there was a night and i think it was a rare night that i wasn't in the ballpark a couple nights before where we started playing tequila a little bit between between pitches and it was something that they were kind of kind of dabbling with a little bit and i think someone kind of threw it out there to um to start playing tequila between pitches and it became an every pitch thing and then next thing you know one guy gets on then one one guy Cooper gets on becomes a stolen base and the next thing you know stolen base becomes a double and then 17 to 10 17 11 and the next thing you know it starts to roll a little bit and dave is in dave is in the uh, the stands I mean, I mean first of all i would highly recommend go to youtube search Bravehearts tequila rally and just watch it it's 30 minutes of absolute gold because you you'll see inside the press box you'll see like even even donnie and anthony who were calling the game at the time they were kind of getting into it and you know it just you could feel the momentum swing and it was it was just the most amazing thing you could see guys on on Nashville, their pitchers kind of getting a little bit nervous and um, you could see them kind of getting rattled and you could just you could just feel it and it's like Oh my god we have a chance at this thing and you know 17 12 17 13 you know and just clutch hit after clutch hit after clutch hit and it's like the i, I don't know if, if, if it felt like this way but it looked like the guys were seeing the ball like it was a beach ball and it was just the most amazing thing and again it was all organic this wasn't something that we planned out in advance like weeks in advance or anything like that And i think that's the beauty of this because at the end of it, we, we, we came up short. We wound up uh, scoring six runs in that inning. So it was 17 to 16, and that was the final score. So we didn't quite complete it. But at the end of the day, we knew we had something. And, you know, it was just amazing because even the umpires didn't know what to think. You know, I think there were a couple of times during either this or, or te- tequila rallies we've had since where the umpires will like, have actually stopped the game, stared up the press box and waved us off.
0: See, I was that, I was at one of those games. I was at one yeah. of those games when they turned around and it was, I think it was the Suns, and they were like, stop. And Dave was like, no. <laughs>
2: well, you know, we, we got the order from Dave. So as far as I'm concerned in situations like this and not, not to sound disrespectful, but you know, I work for, I work for Dave. I don't work for the umpires. Nope. Dave tells me to do something. I do it. You know, if our music guy who was Ryan at the time, if if Ryan's told to play music, he plays music. And if the umpires don't like it, that's, that's when Dave steps in to handle that. That's, that's his department, you know, but, uh, but yeah, we've gotten through some of our unique approaches to the entertainment side of baseball. You know, I'll admit I've gotten a few blank stares in non-tequila rallies from umpires and games held up. And (laughs) there was one time I remember, I got this nasty stare from, from blue and all I can do is just like, Oh, I got a
1: nasty stare yesterday from a Blue. It was, it was great. Yeah. I yelled a bad word, but uh, no, but it's funny because it's like, that's what summer ball is all about though.
2: It is, you know, I've, I've heard and the that, organic
1: part too. Like,
2: you yeah. Know, it's yeah. Just. And that was the beautiful thing is that it wasn't something that, that was pre-planned pre-produced. And that's, that to me is the ultimate beauty of it mm-hmm. is that it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. And then one one became two, two became three, three became four next thing you know, we're at the end of the inning where it's like we're on this kind of this high because it's like this this improbable rally came from out of nowhere. And it's now since become a thing. You know, there have been tequila rallies since then. There was another one, you know, I think, last year against Nashville as well, <laughs> which, you know, they, they seem to be, I don't want to call them the victim, but, you know, they seem to have it kind of bite them from time to time. Uh, which again, another thing that kind of adds juice to, to Nashville Worcester. And uh, it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing, beautiful thing because it's something you're not going to get anywhere. And it just adds to the enjoyment of the game because the, the crowd gets involved because what you're also going to see, if you look at that tequila clip from 2019, so you're going to see Dave dancing in the stands yep. Then Dave, Dave dancing becomes a couple kids dancing at the same time. And what what you see is that, you know, if you haven't seen it, I should, maybe I should back up for a second. If you haven't seen it, what happens is between every pitch tequila plays and then Dave and other crowd members and other staff members start dancing. Music stops just before the, the pitch is delivered and then everyone stops in place like a statue. Then the, uh, the, the pulp, the uh, ball hits the catcher's mid or goes foul or whatever. Tequila starts up again and go on and go on and go on. And what happens is that the crowd gets more and more involved and it brings such a such an atmosphere to the to the ballpark. And it's it's just the coolest thing to be part of. It, I, I could explain it, but seeing it and experiencing it is something totally different and it's amazing.
1: Yep. So we talked to uh when we had Andrew Salima on last year, 2021 futures league all-star, holy cross grad. He's at Merrimack right now. We were like, Hey, you guys do your jerseys. You have, you know, your Mountain Dew and your don't, you know, you for great cause and everything. Mm-hmm. Pat- Patrone has the little green ribbon that would match your co- colors perfectly for a nice Friday night jersey for a couple home games.
2: I would not disagree. I think that'd be absolutely fantastic. Are there some
1: 18 year olds, 19 year olds? Yes. But, you know, if it's for a good cause, I mean, I'm sure you guys can come up with something with that.
2: Well, I'm sure that if it's for a good cause and if it's all in context, you know, yes. I don't I don't see a problem. Context with it. If, is key. If Patron or any other kind of, you know, kind of... Uh, yeah, no free ads, no can, free
1: ads, but yeah. Right,
2: right, right. If anyone wanted to, you know, sponsor tequila jerseys and, you know, have them throw them on, have them, us throw them on for a rally, uh, I'd be all for that. I would love that. I mean, I'd be all for playing all game in them. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it obviously does it obviously works wonders for us and i believe in the power of tequila
1: the song and All right, maybe well, i other things hopefully i'm foreshadowing tequila tuesdays for a good cause or something like that but uh
0: no spoilers
1: no spoilers no spoilers um i need to get back on where were we here
0: <laughs> um i can get us back problem. on track here
1: yeah <laughs> so
0: 2019 to 2020 we talked about it all year in 2020. It was the improbable summer. That was John Creedon's quote. We played through a global pandemic. We'll get to the specifics of the championship series, which is crazy on its own, in a minute. Yeah. But what was it part being a? What was it like being part of that summer alone, and you know, having the heart to be there right up until the end?
2: You know, when I think of 2020, um, I think of I think of one word: gratitude. And it was it was a tough summer. Because uh, for those of you who know, uh, we weren't allowed to play at uh, at Fitton Field and Holy Cross. Uh, so we had to move to, uh, to Doyle Field in Leominster, which created its own particular sets of problems. And uh, some creative solutions had to be taken with it. So it was not typical Bravehearts baseball. Um, you know, it was very much scaled down. But at the end of the day, we're playing ball. In fact, I literally remember the moment that I stepped out of the car for, for the first game. It was about, it was into July. And obviously, as, as everyone well knows, that's usually when we're about a month into our, our usual regular season. And I stepped out of the car and just put my feet on the, on the, feet on the ground, stood up, and I just smiled. And then I heard music from the PA. I heard the crack of the bat. And I heard uh, Anthony Mazzini doing some uh, some quick announcements before I got there, and uh, no lie, it was an emotional moment. It was an emotional moment there. I was I was fighting back the tears, just because I wondered if we'd ever get there, you know. And I'm no, I wasn't alone in that, you know. And I was in pretty regular contact with with Dave to be like, hey, what's what's going on for the season, and I hope it wasn't too annoying, <laughs> but you know obviously you know this is a big deal for me even though this is something i only do for a couple months out of the season it's a big big deal to me it's it's become a part of me and you know i was fully aware of the fact that we might not have baseball that year so the fact that we eventually did and we played and not only did we play we played well it can only be summed up with one word gratitude and i was grateful just to be able to have the opportunity to to do my thing, Uh, even if it wasn't at our usual home, even if it wasn't under the usual circumstances, even if it wasn't the usual entertainment, we still got to do it and kind of have some sort of, of normalcy. And, you know, I'm forever grateful for that season. You know, the fact that
0: it went as far as it did made it even better. Yeah. You talk about unusual circumstances. Let's talk about that championship series new hampshire had a little bit of a less uh less string on their on their rules mm-hmm. and announced full capacity so the championship series was moved to nashua for all three games and you were you were you called some of those games as the home team for the Bravehearts. Sure. talk about that series i know you're i know you're eager to talk about it, and we're eager to listen to it what was it like being part of that just craziness that was the 2020 championship series
2: in a word surreal because so again it was it was kind of strange because for that 2020 series we were the designated home team but when it was announced that all all three games were going to be up in nashua it was kind of like okay this is a little bit weird and i even remember talking to to john jr before the uh, before game one and um you know he was he was just hopeful to have you know some some great baseball and have it in front of you know some some live people who could actually see it and he was Again, he was also appreciative of the fact that we even got to that point. And it was it was kind of funny because I could tell in that moment that he was he was, um, he, he, was he was kind of split, you know because obviously he's got interests on both sides, so he was very conflicted. But um, before game one, I got a call from from Dave and he said, "Hey, I've got this idea for you. Let me know what you think." And uh, his idea was for me to call, the Bravehearts innings on a PA and for Nashua's PA guy to call the, the Nashua PA for, for the bomb of the innings. I said, love the idea, love it. Sign me up. I'm all for it. And it created this, this really strange dynamic. I mean, first of all, here I am kind of doing my thing at, at a different ballpark, which was totally different. And you know, it was a totally, it's just, everything was so different. So I can't say surreal enough, to describe it because here i am kind of you know calling out our players in the way that i usually call them out you know kind yeah. of being the homer that i am in Nashua, in front right. of their mic in front of their stands and fans and you know i know that there was a sensation of you know from their fans what the heck is this guy yeah, what is he doing <laughs> yeah yeah i guarantee that was go I mean, back I to
1: massachusetts dude
2: pretty much okay. i mean i i don't know that they felt that way for sure but it felt that way yeah so what 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 on what what as the game went on i mean i have a little bit of i guess what i would describe as a little bit of an intense style again tell me if i'm wrong um and I'm i curious. noticed <laughs> <Alan>. <laughs> um but what i noticed is that nash was pa guy he kind of tried to match me a little bit level for level he tried to bring up his intensity and other people noticed that too and told me that it's like he's trying to match your intensity i'm like cool bring it on yeah (laughs) you know what am i gonna do say no so i mean naturally i kind of it it kind of became a little bit of a competition in terms of who could kind of get behind
1: their team the most it's funny because like yeah, maybe that would be a little much for a regular season game, you know, July, whatever, 10th. But oh, yeah. in the championship, it's instead of like, no betting, number 40, Owen, Chadrick. It's like, no, you, you got the, you know, it's just intense the whole time. And that's what you need in a championship. And when you can't have fans, you know, it's because Sununu allowed fans, you know, it's, that's how it, uh, that's awesome. I didn't know that was how it happened. I wish I started working here earlier.
2: Well, and and the funny thing is, is that that, that's exactly how how it went for game one. Game two, I felt like he kind of raised his level up from, from, from the moment, from the, from jump. And, you know, so it was kind of a little more even game three was really interesting because I guess their PA guy couldn't make it. So Katie from, from the, from Nashville, she calls me up. She's like, Hey, can you do both sides? I'm like, Okay. Yeah, sure, I'd love to, you know, because that, that just sounded like fun. And <laughs> the next thing she says is is funny in my head only because anyone who knows me knows kind of why I would think this would be funny. She's like, okay, equal enthusiasm for both sides. <laughs> to which I said, okay, sure, no problem, Katie. In the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, this, this that's not going to be the, the case for the whole game. <laughs> So and and I and I did I, I did it the way that so that you know I was kind of asked to do because I want to be respectful as well. You know, yes, I'm a Worcester guy, you know, I bleed blue and green, but at the same point in time, I don't want to be unprofessional, I don't want to be rude, I don't wanna be because you know Nashville was hosting us, you know. So at the end of the day, their park, their rules, their stuff, and I and I get that. But I won't lie, towards the end of the game, you know, when when they were when the Bravehearts were getting getting down a little bit, I did. I will admit, I gave the uh, their intros maybe a little more chutzpah yes. and kind of kind of gave the um, kind of tried to give them as much advantage as I possibly could. You know, it wasn't necessarily a slight to anyone. It just, again, organic, happened in the moment, and it was it was amazing. But the at the end of the day, for the second time. I had to announce congratulations, Nashville silver Knights league champions. And that's <laughs> no word of a lie. That kind of sucked. But at the same point in time, again, being professional, it's, it's what you're supposed to do uh, when they won the championship at our house, a couple of years before Dave actually asked me to do that. And I kind of was, kind of grumbled a little bit. Dave's like, no, it's the right thing to do. So I want you to do it. Yeah. So and I did. So, and I remember that in that moment in 2020, fast forward a couple of years, and I wasn't given the instructions to do it, but I did it anyhow, because it was, it was just the right thing to do because, you know, win classy, lose classy, you know, that, that was kind of what was in my head, you know, not that I'm trying to pat myself on the back, but you know, that's just kind of how I'd like to think our team and our organization
1: would want to me to do things. It's nice to see you grow up. <laughs> No, no, but yeah, no, it's the right thing to do, obviously. Um, So championship is won by the players. It's won by the organization, you know, the team the top down, the example set, the coaches this year, you got some guys coming back. You got Gavin Noriega coming back. How do you, how much interaction do you have with the players?
2: Well, it kind of depends. Yeah. It, it, that's a, that's a great question. To be honest with you. So in 2014 and 2015, I was purely on the field, so mm-hmm. I feel like I had a lot more interaction with the guys, and so that's that's I feel like there was a little bit more of a bond between me and those 2014, 2015 teams than than after I went up in the box. 2016, I went up into the press box and was doing PA, and I was doing that all the way up until last year, where I returned to the field to do both roles, which was provided its own set of challenges. Um, and I definitely felt like I got a little bit more close with the guys last year um, as opposed to the the previous years, because I felt when I was in the box, I felt a little more isolated and that that's, that's, that's not saying I didn't like it. It's, it's just different. All there, you know, there's, there's one and two and one is not better than two. Um, So interaction with the players, I definitely get a little bit more being down on the field, and that kind of helps that kind of helps give me a little more fuel sometimes just because i can anytime that i have anyone to kind of bounce off of you know it kind of it kind of helps me out and it helps to kind of get me a little more creative and you know having some guys like like salima last year that was awesome because salima was and he wasn't the only one like you uh he was all about doing stuff i mean he was all about hey you know you can i get you involved in this andrew yeah sure sure whatever you need you know and it's just a great attitude and i think that's another kind of organizational attitude that uh is kind of brought in by alex dion know, i'll give him credit for that because he could shut that stuff down he could say no leave my ball players alone but he's he's all for it he knows it. he gets it which is why he's such an important member of this organization So, um, I love interacting with the players, you know, even if it's just kind of, you know, talking to them, talking to guys in the bullpen between promotions, doing stuff with them on the field, you know, any sort of interaction with the players is great. And and I feel like they kind of enjoy it too, because they get to be something a little bit more than just ballplayers,
1: you know? Yeah, exactly. So of course you say that, and I'm about to ask about their on the field performance, but (laughs) no segue (laughs) there. Um, you got some sluggers back. You got bat flip Noriega back. You got some arms back. What are you excited about on the field this summer?
2: Well, you mentioned Gavin, and uh, I'm looking forward to some bat flips. You know, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I've never been a big bat flip guy. I will admit. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit old school, but I'm not quite super traditionalist either. I mean, like, I'm, I'm the guy who hates the designated hitter in the National League, just as an example hates it with a passion but you know some some bat flips i'm not okay with gavin's maybe i'm just looking at through blue and green colored glasses but gavin's bat flips are awesome i mean when dude crushes the ball over the football scoreboard of fit and field that's that's a sight to be seen um so i'm looking forward to this year i feel like we got some really tough competition uh based on what i've been seeing in some of the team announcements uh, I mean, I know Nashua is always going to be tough, no matter what, you know, they could have, they could have their worst team out there and they'll still be challenging, you know, because they're, they're always good. k does a great job up there and he's, he's actually kind of fun to banter with sometimes between innings, you know, um, but, uh, you know, you got the returning champs, they're going to be strong, you know, some, some of the names I'm seeing out of Brockton. Wow just in terms of name value, you know, they're going to be crushing oh, yeah. it this year, you know? So it's, it's going to be a fun and exciting season, no matter what, you know, and I'm just looking forward to being a part of it. It's, it's going to be amazing. So, you know, no matter which, which futures league team you support, go out there and support them, you know? I mean, you're going to see some great baseball, you know? It's uh, when some people say, oh, it's just college teams. Like college baseball is amazing baseball, especially summer league baseball, because you've got, with summer league players, you've got kids who want to be there. That's huge because they they want to be there. They want to get better. They want to practice their craft, and they they want to play. And they play their hearts out. You know, to- totally honest with you, when I was with the Tornadoes, um, that they were they're of course semi pro, and they had some former major leaguers come through. The caliber of baseball that I saw with the Tornadoes is as good, if not better in the Futures League or the Futures League is as good if not better than what I saw with the tornadoes um, because you got kids who are hungry they want to play they want to get better and they get it they get that it's entertainment so you know the the summer collegiate model is fantastic and I love the baseball the baseball is very very high quality and you
1: can't beat it no matter who you're rooting for yeah that's exactly what uh spaceman Bill Lee told me in Vermont and he has seen it seen it all out oh, yeah. so he's the deep, the 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 top and the whatever, everywhere. He's been a, he's seen it all. He's still throwing right now. Um
2: Yeah, he threw for the bananas um <laughs> last last week, two weeks ago, something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's funny, and of course I just got the notification Rich Hill's about to take the mound for the Sox and I talked when I talked to Billy, um, he was telling me about the at his um very young age now, he throws the fastball up and you know tries to set up the curveball with that. And I was like, oh, that's what Rich Hill does. And he was like, oh, Rich Hill talks. I talked to him, you know, enough. And he he said, Rich Hill said, if Billy is still pitching, I'm still pitching. So (laughs) There you go. That's it. That's it. Hold on. We'll get right back to Back to the Futures. But first, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England. Not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net, or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Back to a little way back. Oh, and should we put this one in black and white? Maybe. You are, <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. That's mean. It's just far away. That's it's mean. Not, it's not it's way bad back. Enough I'm that joking. I'm I'm old joking. By Actually, no, we should John put... We, I'm joking. We should put the uh, tornadoes <laughs> part in black and white just for fanfare. Um, so, Owen and I are trying to do what we love. You certainly do what you love. You had a career in radio before this you made the move over can you tell us a little bit about what you did in radio not not extensive or anything but you know it is interesting and it is you know it wasn't a desk job it was you know you were on air yeah that's fun
2: it's tremendous and it set me up to to do this very very well uh in fact because you know it set me up to do things like speak in front of a crowd comfortably. And it set me up to basically be able to say, hey, I did this. Oh, you have instant credibility. Yep. Um, so I did, I was in radio for about seven years and started off with a, um, with a small rock station in Indianapolis doing weekend overnights, which doesn't really exist anymore because, you know, it's, it's, it's either automated or voice tracked or, or it's, it's brought in from another market, but did Saturdays and Sundays from midnight to 6 a.m. <sighs> the people you would get calling in oh my god it was it was nuts and uh, you know between that and just trying to stay awake throughout the uh, the whole you know six hour shift that was challenging enough um then i moved that was uh, shortly after i was done with college in uh, in indianapolis and then i moved back home eventually got back on the air with a uh, with station 96.9 the fox was with them for a number of years um did nights with them for a couple of years i worked in promotions as well at promotions for a station in milwaukee so it wasn't all on the air but it was all
0: it was all an
2: amazing amazing experience and you know i i would would i go back if i could in a heartbeat but you know the thing is the the radio industry is a lot different than it was when i was last in it but uh, it gave me a lot of great tools and i'm very appreciative of that I met a lot of great people and uh you it's, it's just kind of a part of my DNA at this point. And it was it was a fabulous experience. And I, and I love all, every day that I was in that business.
1: Yeah, you're certainly in the people business. How did you learn? You know, you're in a studio, you and a producer or maybe not even. And now your job is to get 5000 people involved. know you love you versus Oh, this truckers in the cars and the whatever how how'd that transition work how do you did you think like all right i need to do this this and this did it just kind of ebbs and flows well,
2: there, there there was definitely some strategies that were used when i was on the air um it, believe it or not a lot of people seem to have this this connotation that you just walk up crack a microphone and start talking well if you do that that's a losing proposition right away yeah because you, you gotta have a plan you absolutely gotta have a plan um When I was on, when I was with, uh, when I was with the Fox back in the uh, Green Bay, Appleton, Oshkosh area, um, I had some things going for me that other people at other stations didn't, and that was that was first of all that was a local guy because there were a lot of guys who were not local to the area, so I would speak to local things, you know, things I remember when I was a kid because you know at that point in time, I could speak to, hey, remember when the Packers stunk? I do. You're lucky now. You know, in the midst of the the Brett Favre era when things were great, you know, I was one of the few people who could say, "Hey, I remember the uh, Randy Wright era, not so good." Be (laughs) thankful for what you got. So it's little things like that. Um, you know, kind of being you know live and local. Those were the big things that that were kind of part of my strategies, is that proving that I was still on the air live at the time when other stations were not, and kind of pushing that that local content. You know, like if if one of the, the local teams are wrapped up with the game, if the uh, the Brewers wrapped up with with the game, you know, 10 o'clock Hey, Brewers, Brewers beat the Cubs three to one that proves that I'm live as local content, you know, so it's it's things like that. And on top of that, you know, kind of just in terms of kind of people getting to know me a little bit. It, it was a matter of kind of taking my personality and cranking up the volume, exaggerating things a little bit, you know, being a little bit more goofy silly stupid whatever the heck you want to call it um you know i've heard it in in terms of wrestling basically the the best characters are the ones who are based on the actual person's personality cranked up to 11 and that that was pretty much my strategy as well just just take who i am and just exaggerate it a little bit crank it up you know crank up the volume
0: yeah and that's you know if you don't do that, then you're not going to have fans. You're not going to have listeners. So, and you bring that to the brave hearts every day. So that's a tribe. <laughs> Yeah. Well, do it's kind of can. similar to like the, the live and local thing. That's
1: very similar to the strategy in Worcester, you know, you mm-hmm. want the local crowd and branch out from there.
2: Yeah. Because the thing is, you got to be involved in the community, you know, exactly. You, you know, much, much like how I say, you can't just crack the mic and, and, and talk. You can't just open up the gates and expect people to flow on in. I mean, yeah. you know, people will come, Ray. I mean, that works great in movies, but it doesn't exactly work in in reality. Yeah. Because the thing is, you, you got to hustle. You got to appeal to the, the people who are part of your your local audience. Because the thing is, and and I noticed some of this when I was with the tornadoes. If you turn off the people who are in your local market, they will turn on you. And that, you know, not that I want to speak ill, but it's it's reality you know, the fact is in, after the, uh, the tornadoes left in 2012, baseball was, was, was a four letter word, in the city of Worcester. So for it to be where it is now is, is a huge turnaround and a huge credit to again, the Creedon family, Dave Peterson and uh, everyone who's been a part of the organization.
0: Yeah. And you talk about baseball in Worcester, your first gig when you got to mass was with the Worcester tornadoes. So talk mm-hmm. about that season and what it was like kind of, not only working with them, but getting to Mass from the Midwest.
2: So I had been in Mass for a number of years at that point in time. So it wasn't a fresh move, but it was kind of my first really, really big move, I guess, career-wise. um I reached out to uh, to George, who was the uh, the GM at the time. Great guy, fabulous guy, and he was nothing but supportive of me from from day one. And um, it was it was a year of highs and lows, I'll say. Um, because you know a lot of people know the story. Uh, it didn't exactly end well for the tornadoes, and I was a part of the uh, the tornadoes' last fateful year. Um, but there were some great parts about it. You know, in fact, I remember when I started, I was doing the uh, the on field emceeing, just like just like kind of now. And I had people come up to me say, "You're just like Peterman. You're, you remind me of Peterman." You know? And I'm like, "Who who's this Peterman guy?" You know, and I didn't know whether it was a compliment or not. And um, Eventually, later on that season, I did meet this this Peterman guy, whoever the heck he was, um, and uh, as he was suiting up to be a mascot as uh, Moolah the cash cow, and uh, I remember meeting him. My first impressions of him were, my man, this guy is super high energy. He's all over the place. He's He's great. He can't be like this all the time. Man, was I wrong because <laughs> he is like that all the time and that's part of what makes dave so so awesome and unique so i learned that you know being compared to him was was a great comparison and a great compliment you know there were a number of people that came to me and said that during that season you know there were also some downs um you know again obviously the uh the financial aspect of the team you know that's been well written about to death uh, i'd rather remember the positives and and the great stories um, you know, especially those involving a certain former AL MVP.
0: And uh, Owen, I see you smiling. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we were, we were just, well, we were talking about this before. So talk about that. What, what was the, what's the, basically what's the context there with Mr. Conseco? <sighs> okay. So
2: as far as I'm concerned, I have two I don't know how to say famous Jose Canseco stories, but I have two Jose Canseco stories. One of which I was directly involved in. One I was not. The first of which was when he was um, at a Worcester bar a tavern having some lunch or something like that, and he left his phone number as a tip for the server who who actually gave him his lunch. And his phone number ended up on Deadspin and going out nationwide on the web, to which I'm just like, wow. <laughs> But, but the one I was actually involved in. So this is a doubleheader. And uh, he was not exactly hitting his weight. By the way, I'm not really talking out of school as far as I'm concerned. You know, it was it was well known that he was um how to say hard to work with. Um so it was, it was a doubleheader, and uh, he actually got ejected for calling balls and strikes out of the first game of the doubleheader and he was saying some four-letter words and unpleasant, speaking unpleasant language to the umpire, which eventually got him tossed, which, by the way, is not exactly the thing you want when you're promoting family-friendly atmosphere. So he went out, and, and if you've seen where the, uh, where the clubhouse is, it's back beyond center field. So there was also this, this, this gentleman who claimed to be this Jose Canseco superfan, and he went around the ballpark like from the concourse around the left field stands behind the left field fence. And he actually met up with Ken Seko by the clubhouse. And I thought this guy's suspicious. So I kind of followed him because I didn't have much to do during the first game. I was going to really be stepping into work during the second game. Mm-hmm. And so I get back there and this super fan is back there with Ken Seko, who's outside the clubhouse and Ken Seko is ranting and raving and just, he's just losing his mind. And, um, eventually he, he he's like i gotta i gotta speak to george i gotta speak to the gm okay cool so i call him over get on the radio hey george jose wants to talk to you and as george is on his way over he brings over two other guys uh, rob and andy duran they can corroborate this story by the way canseco literally says that he wants the umpire fired between games of the doubleheader or else he's not going to play the second game he literally asked for the. I I am not lying. I swear. I believe you. No, we believe you. It sounds too fantastic, but I swear to God, it is it is absolutely the absolute truth. He literally insisted that the umpire get fired between games of the doubleheader. George comes over with with Andy and Rob, and uh, he's basically like, "Dude, we can't do that. Just just get ready for game two. No, I want that guy fired between games of the doubleheader. Obviously, I've cleaned up the language a lot, and. Uh, and basically at the end of the day umpire stayed Jose left so he did not get his way because he wanted the umpire fired between games of the double header that is my famous Jose Canseco story wouldn't believe it if i hadn't seen it with, with my very own eyes and again it can be corroborated
1: <laughs> that's crazy
2: it's nuts i mean yeah that's I, I i literally wouldn't believe it if i hadn't seen it but then again in the, in the and it, was, it was this whole thing was a big down. Uh, it was a big downer for me because growing up, I was actually a big Jose Canseco fan. I was pumped when he signed with the tornadoes, and uh, yeah. and then know, he it just was
1: a gave it his way out.
2: Yeah, and, and in fact, I think that was one of, if not his last game with the tornadoes because all of a sudden he went on the injured list mm-hmm. and was never seen or heard from ever again.
1: No, oh. well, classy guy. I mean, that's, I mean, our. <laughs> Are people surprised? Like you know, it's kind of no, it's his move. Yeah,
2: it's it's definitely his move. Yeah. I mean,
1: you know, I, I I realize I'm speaking about him
2: as if I know the guy that when I had one interaction with him, but you know, it's <laughs> I mean, based on the guy who was caught speeding like 130 miles an hour uh, <laughs> when he was playing in Oakland, you know, having uh, his
1: his history is is what it is. So it's it's not surprising. I'm just glad you didn't say, and then he punched me in the face. <laughs> I, was I was like, actually, oh my, I just heard you saying behind the fence. Nobody's, I was like, <laughs>
0: he's going yeah.
1: to get beat up.
2: <laughs> well, that's, I was worried because this other guy, the super fan, I had no idea what the heck he was up to. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just thinking like, yeah, I know Jose personally. It's like, okay, yeah, sure you do, buddy. You know, I've yeah. got his, I've Hopefully got his son yeah i've got his 88 al championship ring okay sure buddy okay you've got an oakland A's jacket that means you're a super fan that means you really know him that well <laughs> i don't think so i was doubtful until i got back there and sure enough jose did know but you know it's like how am i supposed to know that you know i'm there and i'm trying to make sure that everyone's kind of safe in the ballpark including our own players you yeah know, how, how do i know that he's not some weird wackadoo yeah
1: yeah exactly uh, we have one more question, or two, two more quick questions before our new segment called Quick Hits. Do you like a Bravehearts hockey jersey or a Railers baseball jersey better?
2: Oof, that's a tough call. Uh, and what's I, I saw you
1: rocking the uh, the the Railers baseball jersey the other day on Facebook.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, I work for the Worcester Railers in the offseason worked for them the last two years. It's been another great partnership. I've been lucky to be a part of. Um, so I do actually have a Raylors baseball jersey. I do not have a Bravehearts hockey jersey.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But if I had if I had the ability to have one made, I would not turn it down because obviously
1: Jersey love you
2: wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, I know. Shocker, right? Yeah. But um, if I had to choose, I would choose probably the Bravehearts hockey jersey only because A, I don't have it B having it in green with shades of blue would be awesome. And um, yeah, I I mean, I guess not that I want to prioritize because you know who I work for is who I work for. And I love where I'm at no matter matter what, but I just have a longer history with the Bravehearts and it's, it's a little closer to my heart. And, and I think even, even the people the railers know that, you know, that, it's it's not that I love more, more one more than the other, it's just that I have a little more history. with Oh one yeah, one. no, it's
1: it's it's self-explanatory. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so give me a green railer or me, green Bravehearts jersey, you know, some tinges of blue, big old number seventy-one on the back. I'll be a happy guy.
1: Why seventy-one?
2: <laughs> As with everything, there's a story to it. There's a big old story to it. Um, so, kind of goes back to high school. And it um, so I was uh, I was dating this girl, and uh, she, her dad was a hockey coach. And um, my brothers played hockey. I played a little bit of street hockey from time to time. Really, only dabbled in it. And I said to to her, "It's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I could actually eventually learn to play hockey well enough to play for your dad?" She was just like, "That's stupid. You'll never do that." So I'm like, okay. A little fire, a little fire under my belly. <laughs> so, I wanted to take that, use that as fuel, because that's kind of how I work sometimes, and turn a negative into a positive. Well, as it turns out, she also played for the volleyball team, and she wore number seventeen. So, what I figured I'd do is I'd take that negative, turn it into a positive, and flip it around. So that's where seventy-one comes from, and, and it stands for for me. Not letting other people tell you no, not letting other people stand in your way, not letting other people say that what you think is stupid or wrong or whatever. You know, it's it's about independence. It's about kind of, you know, marching to the beat of your own different drum and believing in yourself. That's that's a big one. So I know it's it's kind of a stupid story about a petty high school thing, but there's actually something really kind of cool in it that, that I've taken from it. And it's again, it's just become part of my DNA.
0: I liked it. If that means anything, I like the story. <laughs> I think it was, I think I thought it was a good story. Well, you need that attitude in this industry too. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah,
2: you do. In this industry, in any industry, in life in general, you gotta be able to to take the lumps and turn the negatives into positives. You know, it kind of goes back to something I once heard James Hetfield from Metallica say. You know, he said, our battery works off the positive and the negative. And that always resonated with me. That you gotta be able to to take things from positive things obviously because that that's always good but there's not always positive in life and you got to take those po- those negative experiences and take something from them and learn from them
0: yeah 100 that's a great message and speaking of messages before we get to quick hits how about a message to braveheart fans before you are back for 2022 me for 2020 you or excuse me 2020 <laughs> Apologies.
2: you know i i know that this comes up on on, on the podcast regularly And I've actually put some thought into it. It's actually been a tough, tough thing for me to think of. But uh, I think I've kind of come up with um, a little something that, uh, you know, I mentioned that Bravehearts fans have seen a lot of things uh, over the years. Um, Championships, celebrities, players from the Bruins, the Red Sox, and and the Patriots have all been to our house, an all-star game home run Derby's Hall of Famers from MLB and even WWE improbable rallies people parachuting into the ballpark mayors governors and a million different patented Peterman rally dances. You may think that you've seen it all. But I guarantee you that at some point in time this summer, you will see something you have never seen before Bravehearts fans, and you may never ever see them again. So that's what I'd say. Come on out to fit and field. You'll see some, you might just see something you'll never see before or ever again, and you'll have a great time doing it. Unreal. I you mean, I, gotten... gonna,
1: I, I try not to clip the message because it's like, oh no, we're more interesting than that. Let me find, you know, the unique part, but it's like, I mean, that's, that's what's going on Twitter. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs>
2: i've never i never thought that a standing ovation could exist on a podcast <laughs> on
1: zoom <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> on spotify and itunes everybody yeah
0: <laughs> that's saw johnny's standing ovation before we return to back to the futures we want to share a message from our friends at zorian bat company rob zorian started the company zorian bat company in 2003 literally out of the trunk of his car in davie florida within two years he was selling his wood bat line to major league baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Litter League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to back to the futures all righty it's time we now move on to our final segment you know it well we know well it's called quick hits it's presented by zephyr the official on field hat of the futures league zephyr high quality and innovative design since 1993. brody we brought back some of the og questions some of the og back to the futures quick hits questions and we're going to start with the one that stumps everybody who is your favorite player to come through the Bravehearts organization
2: Ooh, favorite player that's a tough one um because you know as i mentioned i i kind of um i don't have as much interaction with, with the players as i'd like to um as i mentioned before i'm probably a little bit there's a little bit more of a bond with the 2014 2015 guys um you know those guys are pretty near and dear to to my heart so i think of guys like um oh god you're stumping me you hit me in the face right away because i always think of my favorite teammates as in being like the people i work with um but uh i think of guys like like charlie butler yeah he was he was a favorite of mine um in more recent years you mentioned andrew salima he's he's big on my list i'm a you know i actually started calling salima time and he actually asked me It's like what's what's up with that it's like well, if you ever remember the uh, the pitcher jose lima who pitched in major leagues years and years ago he used to call himself lima time believe it so he was a really energetic guy and uh, i thought that kind of fits lima perfectly um you know i also think of you know the richardys mariano and dante those guys had big impacts on on the brave hearts in general um those are guys that I, I would love to call out like first and foremost right away i could probably think for a few more moments and think of tons more guys but those are just the first guys not that anyone else should take a backseat to any of those guys but those are just the first ones that come to mind and had a pretty big impact right away
0: yeah that's awesome i think i lied on the first question this will probably be the hardest your favorite press box teammate person you've worked (laughs) with the brave hearts so that's actually an easy
2: one believe it or not okay sorry no you're not (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, the, the guy who, I, who worked next to me for, for I think it was about three years, Ryan McConnell. He's, he's he was our music guy for a number of years, and he's also become, he was a guy that I had great chemistry with, just tremendous chemistry with, and uh, he actually helped make me better. He helped make me better in a lot of ways, because he was someone who I could always depend on to kind of pick me up if I kind of missed something. Um, you know, he was, he was spot on with the music. He made that game a whole lot more fun. And even this past season, he was only available for a couple of games and which the first thing he'll mention about this past season is that he had an undefeated record at games that he was at, but he was very helpful when I was down on the field and doing PA at the same time, because he would kind of help me with some, some verbal cues. And he was, he was just, he was just spot on and he's actually become a very, very good friend. He actually helped get me in with the railers. So he's 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 a good friend. He's a great guy, and he's really really knows what he's doing. He he does a great job with music wherever he's at.
0: Yeah, I'm not even sure why I said the easy thing because I I knew that answer the second like I was like I asked (laughs) it and I was like wait this is just gonna be Ryan yeah Ryan yeah yeah (laughs) because
2: you you've seen it you've seen how he works you've seen how he and I work you know it's like I mean and that's 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 not a slight to anyone that I've worked with before you know like. You know, Donnie, I've worked with a whole lot of years, you know, and, you know, a couple other people. That's not a slight to anyone because we've had some great talent come through the press box, some tremendous talent. Some of the guys that you've heard calling games on the Bravehearts are the future of the sports broadcasting industry. And you can write that down right now. There are talented guys, you know, guys like Paul Lambert, Anthony Mazzini. Those guys are the future of broadcasting, and they're going to go places. I've told them that. And I wanted to say so in this format as well, because I believe in those guys and those guys are really, really talented, but it's no slight to them. McConville's just my boy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, one of the first people to introduce himself to me when I got to the Bravehearts press box in 2019, he's a great guy. And, you know, of course everybody in that Bravehearts press box knows what's up when you're in there, moving on to the next question here. What's your favorite ballpark that you've attended as a fan? That's a tough one
2: because um, I've been lucky enough to attend a number of different ballparks. I went on a big ballpark trip with my dad when I was uh, in my uh, teenage years. Um, I can definitely tell you which one's not. That's Wrigley Field, because I can't stand the place. Yeah, I know. I'm going to get hate for that, but, you know, I I, I don't care, because, you know, that might be also my my anti-Cubs bias coming through. But I, I would say, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I, I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> um and, and maybe this is some of my own bias coming through but uh beautiful beloved miller park is a gem it's an absolute gem it's a wonderful place to catch a game it combines a lot of nice modern touches as well as kind of the uh the nice classic things and it's got a roof on it so you can actually be comfortable at a game in may in milwaukee as opposed to its predecessor county stadium which county stadium is always going to be special to me because that's where i saw my first game and as you guys know the first ball game is special no matter where it is you see all that that green grass as you come through the uh the tunnel and i just remember that feeling of, wow mm-hmm. and uh you know i had that wow moment at county stadium and that's still special to me but miller park miller park's where it's at i mean you know i've seen some other beautiful stadiums as well but nothing tops that that place for me
0: yeah that's i definitely want to do that ballpark trip someday so that definitely want to end up there at some point let's go let's do it and then baseball stadium or sporting event that's on your bucket list so bucket list uh, i would have to say final
2: Four. and like with everything else there's a story to it so years ago when i first got together with my now wife she promised me that if butler ever made the final four i'm a proud butler alum butler ever made the final four she would actually take me to the final four she promised me that keep in mind this was years before the final four was even a legit thing for butler this is when we were in the uh the horizon league and there was there was no chance we're going to the final four she said that knowing there would be no chance ever we would go to the final four then all of a sudden brad stevens and gordon hayward happened and the next thing you know 2010 and um yeah, I look, at my, we're married at that point in time, say, hey, hon, what about that final four trip? Oh, sorry, can't do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Broke my heart, but it, it is what it is. So but uh, even even if Butler is not there, um, I understand that there is a not a great chance of Butler will ever ever return that, that 2010 2011 run was magical. And I'll love it for the rest of my life. There's probably a good chance they'll never get back. But if they do, I would love to be there uh probably if i had to say second second one i'd love to go to the big east tournament at uh, msg yeah you know that's that's more attainable because that happens every year um never thought i'd ever see my my beloved butler bulldogs play at such wonderful venues like msg or the final four so just to get a chance to see them play on those those big stages would be awesome
0: final four might be a first i'm not sure we've heard that yet so that's a great Mm -hmm. unique answer here for the end of season four that's awesome that's what t- get when you get me unique yep. yes sir yes sir <laughs> and if you were walking up to the plate what would be your walk-up music great question so thank
2: you before i moved out here <laughs> so humble i might add um <laughs> so before i moved out here i actually worked for a small independent wrestling company and i had a chance to go up to the ring to my own music a couple times and uh actually went with uh, Black Label Society's Concrete Jungle, which, was a, which is a pretty awesome song. Um, but if I had to pick now to walk up to the plate, I'd probably go with something like Reach for the Sky from from uh, Social Distortion. It's got a great screaming guitar intro. Love it. Social Distortion is a huge favorite of mine. Uh, or else Volbeat. Uh, Volbeat Volbeat's a more recent favorite of mine. They have a great song called Seal the Deal with a great driving beat. And it's all about sealing the deal, which is what you want to do when you go to the plate.
0: Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned the Brewers and obviously Jose Canseco. But besides that, who is your favorite MLB player, whether it's current or historical?
2: Well, I'm a Brewers guy. And uh, again, I just have to say for the record, I hate the DH in the National League. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. Um, but uh, lifelong Brewers guy. Um, if I had to say... Uh, Ken Seiko was kind of a favorite of mine growing up. I, again, the, the shine's kind of off of him even before he came to the Tornadoes. But if I had to mention uh, favorite players, I'd bring up three guys. Uh, one, Christian Yelich, obviously. Uh, um, another one, Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff is a made man in my, in my eyes and will be for the rest of my life because of game one of the 2018 NLCS. He hit a home run off of Clayton Kershaw. Game one pitcher going deep off of a Cy Young award winner it doesn't get any better than that nope. I mean it was just such an epic moment to see how pumped up he was around the bases I don't know who's more pumped up him or me or, or the rest of Miller Park I don't know but it's all a tie it was an awesome moment truly epic moment so Brandon Wood- Woodruff gets gets my my out for that in terms of a vintage player there's only one guy Robin Yount Robin is my guy you know he was a part of the great one of the greatest hall of fame classes of all time with george Brett and nolan ryan i mean robin young played his entire 20-year career with the brewers he he is mr brewer he is the icon when it comes to that franchise and uh i got a couple of uh couple his number 19 jerseys that i'm so proud of robin's my guy love him
1: yeah those are some great jerseys he rocked too back those old schools as well Powder blues. Absolutely. Powder blue. You can't get any better. Now everyone's doing it though. It's like, everyone's like copying, you know, but, um, at at least at the college level, it looks like. So like Owen said, we brought back the OG quick hits questions. Jason, what's your nickname? (laughs) Um, I don't have one. Oh, what's, (laughs) what's where did Brody come from?
2: So that came from when I was, uh, back on the air. So, Mm -hmm. When I left the uh, station in Indianapolis, I went to state to the uh, to the Fox up in the Green Bay area, and um, <clears throat> my program director, my boss, basically said, "All right, you got to come up with a new name. It's got to be a one-word name, preferably two syllables, because everyone on the station has one one-word name. Our morning guys were Bill and Ted. Uh, he was Hoots. Our, our nighttime guy was Cato. So you kind of get what, what kind of what we're going for there. So." naturally i thought well good names come from movies right movie characters it's a good place to come up with names so i'm a big kevin smith guy kevin smith clerk small rats chasing amy that that whole series so i started going through his movies and i'm like okay so in clerks there's there's dante and randall and it doesn't really have this uh, ring to it so that ne- go to the next movie which is mall rats and like there's ts and then there's brody and then there's Ding. light bulb i literally stopped in my tracks when thinking of it and i brought it to my program director he's like good love it that's it and then when i came to the tornadoes i was interviewing and they're like well we can't have you go on it's jason because that just doesn't really sound yeah. all that great and then <laughs> todd the owner as well as george were, were just like we're gonna call you this we're gonna call you that i'm like no those kind of Uh, they they kind of stunk yeah in fact they wanted to call me j-man at one point in time i'm like no that's not gonna work because at my old station we had a guy named j-man and he was uh, yeah yeah. we'll just leave it at that i didn't want to be like him at all (laughs) so i'm like well why don't we just take my old radio nickname of brody and just run with these like good love it there it is and it's since become kind of my brand i guess
0: Hearing you be be called Jason was a little daunting for me. That was just like hearing you call me that was weird.
1: I never, I didn't know until we were like, is it even in your Twitter? Until we were Facebook friends, I didn't know that was your name. (laughs) Well, I've never never referred to you until that moment live (laughs) on Back to the Futures breaking news. How'd that taste? I don't know
2: well it's funny because like my uh, my little id for the railers that i got this past year had my my given name on it i was laughing about it for weeks it's like yeah. nobody around here knows does anybody know me by that name no anyone anyone, anyone no no oh i didn't know what that was your first name it's like yeah well that's kind of how that is
1: yeah um all right whether it's packers brewers Bravehearts, railers any superstitions
2: So (laughs) I'm glad you asked me about that because I'm not a very superstitious guy. As some would say, I'm slightly stitious. Um, The only real superstition I have as, as, as a fan is I try hard not to wear like the opposing team's colors on game day. So like, say for example, if we're playing Nash, which is an example, I can't wear red and I shouldn't wear black. You know, if, if my Packers are playing the, um, the bears can't wear Navy blue can't wear orange and i know it's stupid but it's just one of those things in my head it's like i feel like there's a part of me that's supporting the other team if i do that so i can't do that i gotta be all in can't wear the opposing team's colors on game day even if i'm wearing like black shoes can't do it gotta gotta wear either team colors or something neutral all the time
1: yeah totally that's very very understandable um bubble gum or sunflower seeds
2: you know, I'm one of those weird guys. Neither. I I don't do either one. Bubblegum is not a thing for me. Sunflower seeds, I know guys love them. Owen, oh, I know you love your dill pickle and <laughs> pop for dill pickle every time someone mentions them, but I'm just not a sunflower seeds guy. It's just just not. Neither one does anything for me. I'm weird.
1: Totally. Weird. I Brody, I agree. I'm I have the same answer, from the whatever number episode this is, the first one Owen <laughs> asked me whatever however long i've been first one i was like yeah i uh i you don't said see, seeds. I, I don't know it's the double bubble makes my mouth sticky the seeds i can't do the flavored for some reason i don't know how you can't have pickle in my mouth on the baseball <laughs> <laughs> yeah that just sounds really really weird i mean i can yeah, understand it the, the flavor need to say it like that obviously <laughs>
2: I mean, I can understand the flavoring of the seeds because I'm a the big flavor, barbecue yes, guy. That's what I was saying. I'm a big barbecue guy, so I, I get the flavoring thing, but just seeds just, it just does nothing for me. And gum does even less. I'm I'm weird.
1: All right, what about your favorite, Mr. Braveheart's Creedon & Co. food at the concession stand?
2: Well, if you included this to be like more of a, a baseball thing, my recommendation is if you ever happen to be at Miller Park, you got to get abroad. You got to get it with the secret stadium sauce. It is unlike anything you've ever had. It is amazing. I can't even sum it up. I'll just say you got to do it. Now, in terms of uh, the, the home ballpark at Fit and Field, oh, man, tenders. Best yep. tenders I ever had anywhere, oh. bar none. One month
1: away from those tenders, maybe. <laughs> you,
2: you know, and, and it sounds like I'm I'm just saying it for the sake of saying, no, those are literally the best tenders I've ever had anywhere, and it's not even close.
1: All right, how about final question of Quick Hits? Favorite all-time baseball memory?
2: Favorite all-time baseball memory. It'd be very, very easy for me to say championships won um, because I was on the field at at Bristol, both times that we won at Bristol. Those were really, really awesome moments getting to hold the the championship trophy high and literally in the same place was, was really, really tremendous. But I'd be doing myself a little bit of a disservice if I said that uh i briefly touched on it earlier took a big baseball road trip with my dad when i was about 13 and um we went to six different games in five different cities we hit chicago twice we hit st louis we hit kansas city we hit atlanta um and then we hit the pro football hall of fame that was the trip that, um even though it's been a number of years still sticks in my mind very vividly that's where me and my dad got a lot closer um and um where we stood until he unfortunately passed so that's probably one of my my all-time favorite memories of my dad and it's it's also a big big baseball thing championships are great championships are amazing but you know you can't beat that memory of you know that i that i made with memories that i made with my dad you know logging all those miles because we drove green bay to chicago st louis kansas city atlanta and back it was two weeks on the road baseball talking
1: it was amazing and uh missy dad yeah that's the second time you've brought him up now what did that how did he you you talked about earlier you remember playing catch with him is that uh is that where you fell in love with with the game you and him
2: um a little bit i mean he, he and i threw the ball around and um you know I'd, I'd be lying if i said i didn't get a little missy-eyed at the end of uh, Field of dreams hey dad you want to put you want to have a catch you know it's uh I still those haven't scenes.
1: seen that movie. I don't know why, but
2: Johnny, Gosh. what are you doing? I
0: Owen uh, knows uh, that exactly. Would, that would make that would make two of us. I'm oh, sorry. you haven't either. I'm sorry. Sorry, man. I gotta call you out for that. But yeah, uh, we'll we'll have a me and Johnny. will have a baseball movie night soon, and we'll uh, we'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, Fields of Dreams. That that moment at the end, and and
2: now I feel bad because I just totally spoiled it for you. But I just I knew about. I'll just I'll forget about it. <laughs> But uh, I, I know that uh, it's one of those moments that's you know for me, especially because I, I remember playing catch with my dad in the yard, and uh, there were many things that influenced me to to fall in love with baseball. I mean I love football, love it with a great passion. It's probably my most passionate love, but my first sporting love and you never forget your first love. my first sporting love is baseball, and it always has and it always will be and part of that is because of you know watching those games as a kid because you didn't get a game every every day at that point in time
1: um you know playing catch with my dad collecting baseball cards it's it's all kind of interwoven together keeping it in the family for a sec you're gonna be busy one month may 26th yes sir getting you getting those extra nights and extra time with your kids now before uh
0: (laughs) before you're busy all summer
2: trying to trying to that's part of what our, our most recent vacation was all about so
0: awesome And, hey, the first question we asked was, why baseball? I think we brought it full circle here to the last question of our segment. That was great. Brody, this has been fantastic. We were so happy to have you on. Thank you so much. We can't wait to see you at Hanover Insurance Park Fit and Field this summer.
2: Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate this. This this was a lot of fun for me. This is a long time coming. I I was looking forward to this for a long, long time. I had a blast. This was a pleasure for me to do, and I hope you guys had as much
0: fun as I did. Absolutely yeah 100 and this has been episode 13 and our season finale of season four of back to the futures the official podcast of the futures league we have new episodes coming out every monday well no we don't anymore but in a month we'll, so. we will <laughs> in a month
1: we'll get her back going soon
0: we'll have more information for you about our endeavors in the podcast soon but be sure to subscribe we're on apple podcast spotify soundcloud and youtube thanks for everybody for tuning in all season long opening day may 26th we'll see you